You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 248 of the co-op podcast i'm your host richard billy jr and today i'm joined by mr gary ace Waby. how's it going gary it's going good man and i gotta respect the the shirt you're wearing that's the king t'challa shirt right there the wakanda shirt so i'm liking that but yeah. happy sunday everyone absolutely absolutely we're also joined by miss dana abercrombie how's it going dana Hello. And we are joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. What's happening? Hope you guys had a good week overall. Absolutely. Very busy week, but uh, I guess we could definitely say good nonetheless. So um, we do have a couple of news topics to get into this week because uh, there was a few things that happened. Not really too much, but uh, before we do that, I'm going to basically let everybody know what we have been playing. So. JJ, how about you go first and let us know what you've been playing? So, yeah, I've been playing a couple different things. Uh, we got some new reviews up on the website right now that I've mentioned in a couple of the shows that I've been on, you know, throughout the week. Uh, we have some new reviews for Rogue Aces. We have the Adventure Pals, uh, Floor Kids, uh, a whole bunch of different stuff, all on Nintendo Switch, all indie games that you guys should definitely check out when you get a chance. Uh, I had some good stuff and some interesting stuff to talk about with all three of them. Uh, in addition to that, uh, as of last night, I finally got a copy of God of War, and I'm finally playing it. And eventually I'll have some thoughts on it very, very soon. I know a lot of people have been gassing it up for one reason or another, saying that it's one of the best of the year. But I'm f finding out firsthand exactly what's up with it. So that's really the bulk of what I've been playing. I've been diving into a few other games here and there. We've got some upcoming reviews uh, coming up in the next like, couple weeks that I'll be able to talk about now that embargoes are starting to lift up and stuff. But be on the lookout for all that stuff very soon. So that's what I've been up to. Sounds good. Yes. So, Dana, how about you let us know what you've been playing or what you've been up to? Because you've had a very busy week. In regards to games, um, the God of War was able to get a panel with um, the actors and the developer of the God of War um, 4. And also, um, I was able to preview or give a little demo demonstration of Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which... I was able to interview the cast and talk to the producers and ran into a couple other people. But um, you know how God of War was like one of the best of the year? Just take that and flip it. So yay, September. <laughs> hey, that sounds good to me. I'm pretty sure we'll, we're going to talk more about Tomb Raider a little bit later. But uh, that's not... That, uh... <laughs> We'll see how that turns out. It'll, it'll turn out as great as that game will be. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Gary, how about you let us know what you've been playing? <laughs> yeah, so, um, of course, I've been playing Overwatch. And I, it only just dawned on me. Next month will be exactly two years that I've been playing Overwatch. And since the game first came out, because um, it came out, may the 30th 2016 so 
it's already coming up two years, man, since I reviewed that game. Um, and I'm still playing it. So, yeah, it's uh, very near and dear to my heart. But um, besides that, I've also been playing God of War, of course. Um, just been getting through that game. Um, and I don't really have, like, um, any major critiques of the game. But I will say there are some parts that get me, like, frustrated just because they're so difficult. Like, um, there's these chests that you have to open by throwing your axe at, at the bells. Um, you have to throw... There's, like, different bells scattered around the area and you have to hit them with your axe to open certain chests and that can be very frustrating because like they make it hard like sometimes um you need your axe to to be on a switch so that the platform can be lowered so as soon as you call your axe the platform starts to raise but one of the bells is actually in the platform so it's like you can't it's very hard to like call your hammer throw it while the the platform is actually raising and stuff like that so there's a few instances like that that get me a bit frustrated because i i am a collector i like to get everything in the game but um yeah they make it hard uh, they make it tough it tests your your uh, your patience and your endurance but um it's a really great game though i'm still enjoying it the graphics are amazing presentation is amazing storytelling is really great I love the bond between Kratos and his son and everything. Uh, and besides that, I can't say too much because I don't want to spoil anything or give anything away. But yeah, still enjoying God of War. Uh, and that's pretty much all I've been playing uh, for this week. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds very good. So uh, as for me, you know, last week I wasn't on the show because I attended an H1Z1 event that took place in uh, Las Vegas. Um, so I got a chance to see H1Z1 on PlayStation 4. And I actually have a preview article on the website right now. Uh, that game, you know, like I said in, in my article, you know, if you like uh, Battle Royale games, uh, you know, and because PUBG is not on PlayStation 4 yet, uh, this is a game that you definitely may want to keep an eye on. I mean, it, it's going to be coming out in open beta on uh, May 22nd. It is entirely free, although you can pre-order it now and then you'll just get bonus stuff, bonus collectibles, so on and so forth that you can use when the game launches on May 22nd. But yeah, from what I saw of the game, it, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. It has pretty much a lot of the same things that are in the PC version of H1Z1, but it's catered more to console players. It has more different things, like there's a weapon wheel that will allow you to easily access the weapons uh, immediately. And they just made it a little bit simpler in terms of a lot of different things that you can do, uh, specifically for for uh, console owners. It will be out on Xbox One at some point in time, but I have no information uh, about that as of right now because they're focused primarily on PlayStation 4. And this version was built entirely for PlayStation 4. So um, definitely stay tuned for more coverage on that. You know, as I get more hands-on time with it, I'll be able to talk more about what you can expect from the game. And the other game that I have been playing is, of course, uh, God of War as well. So we will definitely have a podcast discussion about God of War in the future. But what I played so far, the game is, is fantastic. Um, you know, I don't have really too many complaints. Uh, if there is one complaint that I do have, uh, 
it's it's going to be along the lines of I wouldn't necessarily say it's the best game of the year because there's still other games co- to come out this year. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that Red Dead Redemption 2, this is still one of the most highly anticipated games of 2018. So I'm not about to say it's the best game so far this well, I can say it's the best game so far this year. I'm not going to say it's the game of the year yet because I have to see what else comes out this year. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. I'm sorry. Well, again, if it, it, I, I, I don't have any problem if uh, anyone has that opinion, but Maybe I'm going to be. Red Dead has come out, so. Uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna make this claim right now, and you guys can quote me at the end of the year. But Spider-Man is game of the year. No. Yeah, shoot. With the okay. way people are talking right now, I wouldn't be surprised if it came down to that Red Dead and Spider Man. Honestly, here's the thing: what I can legally say, I won't be surprised if it's the top two. Oh yeah, makes the top. Two. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. That's what I can say. But yeah, yeah. But but God of War, man. The thing about it is that it just wasn't just a game. It took you on this huge emotional journey. And even when I was speaking to the to the people who were involved, I got to speak to um, Corey Barlog, Chris Judd, who's my God, that's his real voice. Like, he wakes up in the morning, and that is his voice. Um, Jeremy Davies and Danielle, what is Biscuit Bisuti? I probably butchered that. But anyway, um, they were showing, and they was able to act out what they was doing, like, in front of us. And the raw emotion that they had and how they just kept pushing each other as actors really helped contribute to make that game just amazing. Where even you could just watch just the cut scenes alone, and this is like, wow, this is a really darn good movie. Like, it really takes you in. So that, and for me, on top of the gameplay, it was just, it's in that status where it's game of the year for me. Oh, yeah. Well, I definitely think it's, yeah, it's it's in the conversation, no doubt about that. Um, we also have to remember this game has been in development for five years, so I think it should be of a high quality in all areas. From that aspect alone, it's been in development so long. So, um, like I said, uh, what I played of the game so far is it, it is is fantastic. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things to do in that game. Uh, and it's going to take me a while to really get through it because I don't have as much time to play too many games now as I did, you know, when I was a little bit younger and I had more time on my hands. You know, I'm getting older now, but I-, I am going to finish it and definitely absolutely going to have a lot more to say about it in the future. But uh, it's a fantastic game. I think it's worthy of the praise that it has received thus far. Um, so I'm looking forward to finishing it and I will definitely talk more about it at that point. And then we- again, we will revisit these conversations again later this year in regards to other stuff that comes out. What, what, what I can say right now is, you know, and I hate to, I hate to, to keep it real. We will revisit this again later, but uh, I am pretty sure shadow of the tomb Raider will not be in that discussion, but that's just my opinion. Uh, Statement of nuclear right there, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. <laughs> We'll Damn, see. Is we'll... people really down on this? Like, wow. Like, this is well, the first well, time I'm actually hearing hearing people sound like they're down on Shadow of the Tomb Raider. But either way. Well, I mean, I 
like I said, we'll we'll discuss it later. I I haven't uh, everything I've heard from some uh, you know I know we had Tatiana that was at the preview event, so we'll discuss that a little bit later. But yeah, th- that that's uh that's all that I've been playing. Uh, I definitely will have a lot more to say in the future. I will be playing two upcoming games that are coming out in May. Uh, so I have more to say about that next week because I just received a one of those games recently, but I can't really talk about it until next week. So. We'll talk about that later. But uh, that pretty much concludes what we have been playing for this week. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the topics. So this first topic, Gary, uh, I want you to introduce this because this is a story that I did not know anything about until I literally signed on my computer here to record the show. So feel free to tell us what is going on with Devolver Digital right now. Okay, yeah, so um, in an interview with GamesIndustry.biz, the co-founder, Mike Wilson of Devolver Digital, made some uh, pretty bold statements about, um, you know, like the gaming community and stuff. And uh, he went on record and said, the gaming community is great at being complete effing assholes online. Um, And, you know, he actually said the F word and everything. I don't want to repeat it because, you know, YouTube is crazy right now. But, um, yeah, he made that statement. And the reason he made that statement was because, um, basically, he feels like um, the the gaming community has has to, you know, they, they can easily access, you know, the, the art guys and every everyone who's working on these different games, developers, um, artwork guys, writers, and everything—they have uh, too much access to them, and you know they can uh, wish back at things upon them, and um, they can air out their grievances and how they feel about the games and the work they're doing, and and things of that nature. And I guess he just feels like the gaming community is very toxic, and he doesn't like it, and he finds it discouraging, and uh, he kind of wants there to be more of a barrier between the customer and the people who work on the games and everything like that but um the reason we want to discuss this is because um should he have actually said that especially in those specific words because uh that is uh, it's a it's a very harsh statement to make about the people who are going to inevitably be buying your games and everything like that so i wanted to get some thoughts and opinions on uh, what you guys think of of that Go ahead, Dana. Well, one, if you don't make crappy games, you won't have negativity with the people whining and complaining. Secondly, if you don't want to hear other people's opinion, stay off social media. No one's forcing him to. So you can create your own barrier. People are going to have an opinion no matter what. And if he feels that it's too toxic, then he should distance himself. But people are going to have an opinion, especially if they're paying to play that game. So, boo-hoo. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, um, you're definitely right about that. Um, he, he did go on to say that, because um, I, I think he's thinking of it along the terms of being um, indie developers and stuff, and um, some of his rationale was that uh, people people talk about their games as if it's you know a huge a large team creating it but they don't know that it's only a few people and they're overworked and you know things like that and they're kind of people kind of judge them too critically 
um, and they don't appreciate the level of work that uh, you know the small teams and indie developers have to actually put in to accomplish what they do. So um, that's like another aspect of him explaining what he meant by that. But uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, about JJ, you wanted to say something on this? Yeah, uh, you know, here here's the thing. I, I, I understand and I empathize with where he's coming from. He's coming from a place where he's putting a lot of work and him and his team and everybody that he associates with and works with on a lot of these different games at Devolver Digital or elsewhere. They're coming from a place where they put a lot of their time and, and, and you know, uh, a lot of their lives into the stuff that they make here, which is great. And we all appreciate that. And I think a lot of the people out there, even some of the people that he uh, talks about or refers to appreciate that. The problem is, is that one, I feel like he went about this the wrong way in expressing it and went about this in the, the kind of the wrong, uh, the wrong idea of what he's trying to convey. Cause I don't think it's coming out the same way as what he means it. Uh, the thing is, is that, you know, online or offline, there are assholes out there. There are people out there that are just horrible individuals and horrible people. And, you know, it is what it is and there's bigots and you have to kind of put it in its proper place. No matter what you're going to do, you know, you're always going to have those types of individuals out there. The problem is, though, and what we need to stop doing in the game industry. And when I say we, I mean everybody in the games industry, even if you're not necessarily doing something like this. I think we got to heavily discourage it is that we have to stop painting all, all these types of things with a very broad stroke. We have to stop blaming the consumer slash the people slash the gaming community, quote unquote, for the actions of a select few that ha- happen to be a lot more vocal and a lot more louder than the masses. Because a lot of the stuff that these types of developers and this developer also refers to is usually the people that are constantly online, you know, seeing like all this vitriol and all this different stuff, whether it's about opinions on games, whether it's about the quality of games, or just them just trying to be loud just to be heard. We have to stop blaming everybody because there's a majority of people, us included, that don't engage in that same way. Uh, I don't think and I don't believe that the gaming community, quote unquote, is toxic, like what so many people say. I think that they just refer to that select uh, grouping of people that act that way, yet they want to generalize it for everybody. And that's a very dangerous place to be thinking like. That's the same way that Phil Fish ended up thinking like with Fez after he decided to kind of quit and kind of cancel Fez 2 and stuff. And we've seen other developers and other people that put themselves out there and kind of act like that and kind of get that mentality because they can't take not only just the pressure of dealing with all the game development stuff, which is in of itself a really tough thing for anybody to deal with, whether it's one or many people, but also having a bunch of people just throw nasty stuff at you constantly all the time every single day of the week you know that could get very tiring i can understand that but regardless of how you are in an emotional state or a mental state and you know whether you're okay or not i don't think it's right and it's fair to everybody else to kind of put everybody in that same boat for like that uh i don't think it's a good idea to come out and say that we need more kind of barriers or restrictions between fans and the people that create games i don't think that we should have barriers like that at all and right now with social media with twitter facebook instagram snapchat youtube and all these other platforms those barriers are gone i mean don't get me wrong you still got things out there to like block people that you know you don't want to kind of engage with or you feel like people are being too bad or too nasty and stuff there's always steps you could take to kind of prevent that and not have to deal with that as much but to come out and say you know that the greater gaming community is is nasty and it's toxic i think that he's just talking from an emotional state and i think that he's not thinking completely rational like that and it kind of just feeds into the same thing we've been hearing over the last couple of years of one of the reasons why people kind of are at odds 
with a lot of industry people or industry personnel at the current moment. I mean, it's just this animosity that's lingered because some people just keep adding fuel to this fire here. Like, in all honesty, you know, I, I feel like I feel like it part of part of the job of developing games even though I'm not a game developer myself I'm not I haven't created games but I understand a little bit of what goes on there because I've talked to people both indie and AAA on the PR side and the actual development side the people who are making these things with their two hands that you know when you're out there you're trying to put a product out into the world and you want to get eyes on it part of the job is putting yourself out there Part of the job is putting yourself out there to interact with people, to talk about your games. And not everybody's going to like your stuff and not everybody's going to get behind what you do. But you can't be upset and blame everybody else when you kind of run into that and you just can't, you just don't like the outcome of it. So that's just my two cents on the matter. I feel like I understand where he's coming from. I empathize. I sympathize with it. But he was the, it was the wrong way for him to kind of, you know, uh, say it in the way that he expressed it. I just don't think it's going to come off right. And it's going to be a lot more worse than what he was actually intending yeah yeah i agree with uh everything you said um and like i feel like the problem is here that um people like you can go on twitter right and find any group or any fandom of people and look at them as like the worst people on the planet just because they're so vocal they're so obnoxious in their thoughts and everything but you have to kind of remember also that um Twitter doesn't represent everybody, like every gamer or, you know, every movie fan or, you know, every critic, you know, it's just, it's just that one site, you know, and the reason Twitter looks so bad is because you're, you're given the power to tag anybody or any company you like to your, your thought or your statement, whether good or bad, you know, on other social media outlets, it's not exactly like that. Like on Instagram, you're only going to follow stuff you like and you can't just like you can tag people. But like it's 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 not like on Twitter where, you know, you're going to get blown up from it, from your notifications and everything like that. You can just kind of ignore it on Instagram uh, because it's more focused around, you know, looking at imagery and stuff like that. And on Facebook, you're only going to like stuff that you actually like anyway. And, you know, you can't just tag people like that, you know, like you can on Twitter and stuff. So I think really like people, people, um, they generalize too much based on, you know, people, how people act on Twitter. Um, And obviously you're going to have good people. You're going to have bad people. You're going to have, you know, people who um, have no, you know, uh, no sense of restriction in their thoughts and they're just going to blur out the most negative things that they can think of uh, just to you know get attention or just to make an impact or whatever but that's not a representation of how everybody is or how everybody thinks and uh, that's what you know uh, this guy needs to realize like not everybody is like that you can't just lump the entire gaming community into one statement like that so you have to kind of be specific a little bit I have one additional thought to really bounce off of that, which I think is a great point we should acknowledge. I think that in this case, and I think in a lot of other cases, especially with a lot of things we've seen in the gaming news as of late over the last few years, I think a real problem that everybody that that talks this way needs to get over is getting over the fact of accepting criticism. And the reason being is because you see a lot of companies and individuals like him and others out there that are good with you know social media and everything else when when the conversation is favorable to them when it's not just a discussion about what's being out there when it's not a, a, a cavalcade of different opinions both positive and negative only when it's favorable to them and i think that people need to get over that because 
uh, social media isn't the worst thing in the world just because there's a select group of people that aren't down with you, that aren't rolling with you. Because there is that many more people out there that are positive that, you know, without social media, you would have never been able to reach out to them. You wouldn't be able to get eyes on your game or have the conversation about your game being put out there without social media like that. It's just the day and age that we live in. But we have a lot of people... In, in, the, in the industry and out of the industry because we see this all the time when people that talk like that and it's all doom and gloom and kind of, you know, a, 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 a catastrophe to them or, you know, that I mean, a lot of people that keep saying that the gaming community is toxic like that is because they're constantly just focusing on the people that are negative towards them and rather than just the conversation itself. You know, because there's both positive and negative out there. But why is it that, you know, all of a sudden that now you want to have barriers and now you want to have restrictions on the access that people and consumers have, people that might be your fans, you know, of your company and stuff have towards you to interact with you. I mean, just because of this one group over here, I just think it's bad. So that's all I'm saying. Just just get over the fact that there's criticism out there. You can't be afraid of the criticism. I was just talking about this not too long ago when I spoke at Miami Day College. I was telling indie game devs that, that are just starting out, student developers, you can't be afraid of criticism. That's what's put out there. That's That works in life, and it works in development as well. Yep. That's very true. And you're a creator of something. Like if you're creating something and putting it out into the world, you have to be open to that criticism because you're going to get a lot of it. Um, and that's something even we've had to put up with, um, you know, the past 10 years that we've been doing the coalition. Like we have to deal with the fact that, you know, we're going to put reviews and previews and things of that nature out there. And people are always going to have something to say about it. Like, you know, even Richard, I remember he did a, a Grand Rift Auto review and there was one particular individual who called him out on it. You know, things like that have constantly happened with us over the years. And it's just something you have to deal with if you're putting something out into the world. You Like, mm -hmm. people are going to have something to say about it. Yep, I completely agree. I was attacked online for a Roseanne interview. Not an interview, a review. So anybody is gonna, who has a voice wants to have that voice and tell you how they feel no matter what. So either get used to it or just don't have social media and then don't complain when people don't know about your game can't agree more yep yeah i agree with pretty much everything that was said i, I really don't have anything else to add because you, you all said a lot of things that i was going to say um i think for those that do complain they definitely should be a lot more specific about who they are addressing with that complaint uh, I don't like the fact uh, when they say the gaming community as a whole, because as Gary just says, it does impact uh, everybody and how they view everybody. One thing I will mention is, I, I you know, whenever uh, I have noticed this, whenever content creators do stupid stuff, you know, I'm not going to mention their names. They already make a lot of money off of YouTube, so I don't need to mention their names. But when content creators do stupid stuff, I, I hate uh, that there are some people out there that think, oh, well, this is how all gaming people uh, operate with this type of behavior and this type of stuff and that's unfortunate but there's going to still be people that think that no matter what um but in the end I, like i said don't even let any of this stuff deter you this individual that made this comment about the gaming community yeah he needs to understand be more specific about who you're complaining about and if you are going to receive any type of critical feedback from your game you have to be open and receptive to that. Uh, I mean, because again, listen, we got to be honest. There's no game out here that's perfect, you know. Maybe there are some, to some people, there, there are some games that are perfect, but 
if you are in this industry making something, whether you're making a film or a product, you have to be someone who is willing to accept that there are some people that will not like what you're doing, and then there are others that will like it. But if you are don't have thick skin to accept this, whether it's good or bad, perhaps you shouldn't be in this industry altogether. But just my just my personal opinion. <laughs> no. Um, so any additional thoughts that anybody wants to make on this topic before we move on to the next? I'm good. I just want to say one thing because I, I know I have to dip out like real quickly and stuff, and I don't want to forget it because I, I think I forgot to mention earlier and stuff. Uh, we have a couple other things that you guys definitely want to check out on the coalition. Now we have some new unboxing impression stuff. We got some new interviews coming as well as also all the reviews that we posted up recently within the last week or so. We got a lot. I know that Max did his Sea of Thieves review that went up not too long ago. I did all the indie game stuff, and we got even more that's on the way. So I just want to drop that on there before I dip out because I got to do some important stuff for for content coming up this week. So hopefully you guys have a good podcast i'll talk to y'all later sounds good we'll talk to you later all right so let's move on to our next topic uh and this is from uh, gary's favorite favorite uh company valve um <laughs> valve recently bought uh firewatch developer campo santos um and we do know coming out of this news that valley of the gods which is the the new game that they're actually working on is still due release sometime in 2019 so um i guess uh i wanted to ask a question of what do you guys think about this acquisition uh and just you know overall thoughts on valve because i know valve has been very vocal about saying they want to get back into making more games so i think that this is the first acquisition of many others that you will see from them in the future if they are not the ones to actively create the games they will definitely try to acquire other developers to do so so uh you have any thoughts on this topic, Dana? No mercy. <laughs> <laughs> you all already know. Please, someone give me a remastered No Mercy. Um, Wait, no. Valve to buy No Mercy. Please, please, uh, give me my game. I need it remastered. Um, no, this is a good thing. Even if they don't do No Mercy, um. Yeah, more games, and hopefully you know, they're 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 coming back. They're trying to make a comeback, so the games won't suck. So I, I don't see how this is a negative. I agree. Yep. Uh, how about you, Gary? Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting move. Um, first of all, um, I'm glad that it won't affect Valley of Gods because I remember uh, we, we we all saw this game announcement. I can't even remember which event it was. Was it uh, the Game of the Year show or was it uh, E3? I can't remember when it was first announced. Um, E3. I do... Okay, E3. Yeah, I do remember we all loved it. Um, I, I remember Dana loved it as well. Um, and it looks very interesting. Um, I like the setting and everything. And I'm glad that that's still coming. Um, I'm wondering if it's going to impact the how it's released. Like, is it going to hit PC first? Um, or, you know, is it still coming to every console and stuff like that? Um, hopefully we'll get more details. But I would imagine it's still going to go ahead as intended. Um, but what I want to say about Valve is the fact that they're acquiring people now is very interesting. And it makes me think that they're uh, they're working towards something. 
Um, perhaps, you know, we might even see a resurgence of some of their old games. Like, there's been a rumored uh, Left 4 Dead coming. Um, and, you know, we, we still have other games that people have been waiting for, like uh, Half-Life and, you know, things of that nature. So I'm, I'm wondering if this part of a long-term plan for them and uh, we know that uh microsoft you know they want to make moves on the pc um i think for for many years they've been wanting to you know have a pc user base as big as valve has and they've been trying to kind of make small steps towards doing that especially with the game pass thing and um you know offering some of their xbox games on um you know pc uh, actually this week it was also announced that um you know halo is is going to get another uh, iteration on pc as well but we're not quite sure which halo game it's going to be so i think valve is kind of probably trying to strategize in case microsoft makes like a major play and tries to eat into their user base and you know because uh th- those two companies have been in uh close competition for uh, for the past few years on pc so i'm wondering uh if if you know this is part of a bigger move for valve um and if they're going to be acquiring a lot more studios and stuff like that i think so and just to also reiterate i really love the valley uh what was it valley the dolls was it the valley of the gods or valley of god gods, gods yeah. doll something anywho yeah so the fact that they're still coming out with that to me, it seems like this is something that they've been planning and working on for a while now. So my hope in my head is that, you know, this is something that's long term. They're not going to screw it up. And it just only just seems like to be a positive. And it's hope for, for games like, you know, No Mercy t- to come back. So I'm happy. Yeah. Um, I will say that my biggest fear is that Valve will do something um, completely unnecessary and come out with some kind of subscription service. I'm hoping they don't go down that route because they really don't need to. Like they they already make enough sales from you know just the the uh, the service they have alone. Like people buy games left and right on Steam. So um, I hope that they don't try to put like a, a subscription service to stream games or anything like that because I I feel like it's not needed from them. But yeah. So, I, I, so I just will make a, a quick comment, and and this may this statement may be deemed a little controversial, but I think it needs to be said. Uh, I heard what you said, Gary, about it. it feels like Valve is building towards something and that there is a likelihood that we may be seeing the return of some of their older IPs, such as Left 4 Dead, such as Half-Life. I, I, I fully believe this. I fully believe you will see a Portal 3 long before you see a, a Left 4 Dead 3 or another Half-Life. Because... yeah. I, it just feels like, you know, this is something I, I've been waiting to, for them to com- conclude this Half-Life story for decades, and it hasn't happened. And hopefully I didn't give away my age when I said that. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just something that it has taken the longest time for them to complete that. So I don't have any faith. I know the writer of that particular game left the Valve not too long ago. So I don't really know what's going on with that. But, uh I mean, it's still, I mean, it's good to see them acquiring other studios trying to get back into the gaming space. You know, I'm glad that it did not uh, impact this upcoming game. 
But I'm very curious to see what their end goal here is with all of this, because I have no idea what the end goal is. And as Dana said, um, if they were to acquire uh, the No Mercy, I am 100% certain that that would be better than any game that 2K releases and, and calls WWE in, in the title. 100% uh, confident in that. So. It would be better than WWE itself. But also, can I just say that patience... Captain America taught us about patience. You have to be patient. We're still waiting for a Kingdom Heart 3. And that's been, what, 20 years? So yeah. just be patient. And we'll get our Left for Deads and our Half-Lives, hopefully, before we die. But, you know, patient. And it'll be good and it'll look amazing. You're right. And, and, and I keep hearing rumors that Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out this year. So we'll see about that. I, I think that is coming out this year, but, you know. Gotta wait for the official release date information, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> that that has a better chance of coming out than uh, Gary's uh, Final Fantasy VII Remastered. I, I know that much, but uh, <laughs> at least this year, as far as 2018 is concerned. Don't hurt my heart like that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, uh, as for Firewatch, um, this is a game that I know Charles reviewed for us uh you know, when it came out about, two, I think it was back in 2016. Um, and I know he thought the game was amazing. I still haven't played the game. I have it downloaded because it was uh, free on PSN Plus. I believe it was already on Xbox uh, One as well, uh, Games with Gold. Um, so I need to play it. Um, I don't know if you played it, Gary or Dana, but uh, if you did play it, did, 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 did you think it was a good game or? or that brutal. The what? The brutal ending. How can we not love that? Uh oh, it's a brutal ending. Well, I, I don't know that. I, I haven't played it yet, so I have to I see have, what why it's. I can't tell you anything, but it is a very. It's not very, very, but it's a brutal ending, and it's slightly controversial, but like actually controversial. Now, like just thrown around the word controversial, but it's it's one of those things where it stays with you. So for me, I liked it. Okay, I gotta check it out. Which, I haven't downloaded. It, the ending made me feel kind of like how the end of Infinity War made me feel. Uh-oh. You know what? I think that's a perfect segue. Is it not, Gary? <laughs> You're on a roll with these segues because I listened to the WrestleCast, <laughs> the WrestleCast yesterday. Like, yeah, that, that was a good one. Yeah, and yeah, that uh, yeah, and I will since you mentioned that 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 will actually be up on the site soon. So bear with us. You know, I, I just was working on that earlier. So, uh, Dana, I'm going to give the mic over to you to get into the entertainment stuff, and we are definitely going to talk about Infinity War. But let's go ahead and let's start the the, the discussion with Infinity War, and you can tell us some things. Uh, well, yeah, just just go ahead. You start your segment, and we'll we'll jump in. Okay. Um. Yeah. So it was a it was a very busy month for me. Um. I'm gonna yeah. Infinity War. I'm gonna speak about first, and then I'm gonna go into the press junket for Infinity War. Um. For me, the best movie in the MCU. The I want to say Black Panther and and Infinity War interchangeable right now, but because I'm really emotional, I'm gonna say the best movie of the year. So far, okay. Um, yo, what's up? If you're listening to this right now, be wary. There are some Avengers Infinity War spoilers coming up, 
So I recommend skipping forward about five minutes or so because yeah, uh, there, there are going to be some, some mild spoilers that are discussed. It was one of those movies where you, it did not, it was finally a story. And what I mean by a story is we got Thanos' story, his point of view, and we just got to see him and why he was after, not so much why he was after the Avengers or why he was, you know, being big and, and brutal. We just got his story and his psyche about why he felt that his goal of trying to eliminate half of the world's or the universe's population meant so much to him. And that it wasn't like, oh, I'm a big god. I'm going to go and destroy people. Look at my ego. It was something that was deeply embedded in him. And it was a personal burden that he had to carry. And it broke him. You, you saw moments where he just was like, just really painful for him. But he knew he had to accomplish it. Because for how he felt was, it was for the betterment of the universe. And he made a lot of personal sacrifices for it. So for me, I thought that he walked that fine line between being a villain and a hero and just an everyday average man. I would say that it was similar to Killmonger in Black Panther, where what he believed in so strongly, he viewed himself as being like the hero, even though how others viewed him as being the villain but when you listen to both sides and they give you everyone's perspective he can be either one you know so it was one of the most well-rounded movies well-rounded villains did we get questions answered no we got more questions asked um a lot of people were missing people are going to show up in part two obviously we have ant-man and wasp coming out in may i'm gonna say and and that, I believe, is going to take place either during or slightly before Infinity War. And then I think that the end credit will be everything that's what's happening, you know, currently now with Infinity War. I do believe that the Soul Stone is something you have to pay attention to. Um, if you don't know, you're like half of everybody was, you know, they he snapped his fingers and it was all disappeared. And I think that it might be a battle between those who are in the Soul Stone of getting out, those who didn't die yet of getting people out of the Soul Stone and to reverse Thanos' snap. And at the end, we saw Captain Marvel is going to be involved. Um, we know that there's Ant-Man. We know that there's Wasp. The original Wasp, I believe, is it was it is in the actual Soul, the Soul Stone as well. So it's going to be just really interesting. And I, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I was a hot mess coming out of the theater. And, and Tony from the throwdown was with me. Was with me and the, you know, I almost broke his arm off because I was just crying so, so hard. And like just screaming, especially during the Wakanda scene. So for me, it was very moving. Um, I was able to do the press junket tour thing that they had. And they was really vague at the time because this was right before the screening. Um, so they really couldn't say much. But they did say that, you know, it was a very emotional film. And Josh Brolin, for him, was one of the best characters that he ever played because he got to tap into 
all of those these different sides and all of these different perspectives where he was like yes i'm this big bad you know beat him up type of guy when you meet me but you really get to see how broken of a man i am inside especially as the movie continues and you see you know the relationship between thanos and gamora and a lot of people were complaining in the previous um guardians of the galaxy 2 that it focused on peter quill and his father and then nebula and gamora we didn't really get to understand or know what was going on between gamora and thanos and we got basically a whole movie dedicated to that so i think they did a really great job they did a great job explaining all of the dynamics and if you watch the movies back again it makes more sense and you kind of get to see peter quill he's always been that kind of reckless person where he doesn't really think before he acts he's very emotional And there are scenes in volume 2 where Nebula is screaming at him like your arrogance almost got us killed which plays directly to what happens in Infinity War. So if you go back to all of the different um Marvel movies, there are touches of scenes and different clues that they give you for Infinity War and how it develops the character. So I thought that was just very beautiful and dynamic. And the whole thing with Doctor Strange, you know, Yes, it pissed a lot of people off that he was the only one who can see like all of the different what was it all of the different um conclusions and ways how this is going to end and it was only one but he didn't tell them what that one thing is so everybody is just left to figure things out for themselves after he gave Thanos the time stone um so that part was very impactful but if you go back to Doctor Strange and go back to the ancient one it kind of explains some things of what's what's going on so they give you clues in the previous movie about what you can expect in volume 2 so for me it was just amazing it was great remember it's a part 2 uh, so you're not going to get hardly any of the questions answered uh, it would be um similar to um lord of the rings that trilogy i'm just happy it's just part 2 and not you know a trilogy So, yeah. For me, it was just amazing. The cast was amazing. Josh Brolin was one of his best acting. Um the girl Zoe Saldana amazing. I think everyone in the cast was just really great. I was slightly confused as to what was going on with Chris Pratt's character. He like he changed his body shape a little bit. We got a little pudgy. And I know that's not important, but I was just that was just kind of weird how they did that part. But um yeah, overall I loved it. The review is on the site. I thought it was great. All right, all right. So before before you you uh discuss a few of the other uh events that you took place in, Gary, you have any other thoughts uh based on what Dana had to say about Infinity War? I do have a few things that I want to say, but I'm going to go to you first, Gary. Uh no, nah, I loved it. You know, we've got We've got a lot of content out about it so people can go check that out. Um I don't want to get too deep into spoilers in case some of the people listening haven't had the chance to see it yet, but I I loved the film and you know um like it was really like powerful watching that because it's like 10 years of of character development of all these characters and then uh, you're finally seeing them all on screen at the same time. Some of them are meeting for the first time, some has some of them have met already of course um and thanos was just done really well um 
and I know I noticed Kieran in the chat, uh, Ruthless Kid, he uh, he actually mentioned that they didn't introduce Lady Death, and that is a big part of uh, you know the the Thanos story no. in the comics. But you know they had to do things a bit differently in the movie, like they couldn't do it exactly the same, especially because they didn't even have all the same characters that they have in the comics. So um, I I understand the need to change it up a little bit. And I'm quite happy with what we got, to be honest with you. Like, um, for me, it was a 10 out of 10 experience. And um, I think it's, I personally think it's the best Marvel movie to date. But Black Panther is close, you know, it's like, it's neck and neck, kind of. But, um, and uh, I would also put uh, Winter Soldier up there too, still, because that was a great film. And as was Civil War. But yeah, like, I, I, I'll give Infinity War the edge. But, um, yeah, incredible. I loved every minute of it. No, the fact that she didn't include Lady Death made it an even stronger movie. I don't want her there. She's dead. Hella was death. She's dead. Let her stay dead. The fact that she wasn't in there made it a Thanos story. He wasn't there to please some random hoe. He was there to, to do something that he felt innate. That he had to do or else the universe would perish. And to me, that's more weightier than, oh my God, I have to please Lady Death so I can be in her good graces and we can be happy together. No, that's trivial compared to a personal journey. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's a very good point. So, so uh, I'm going to be relatively brief about what I, what I have to say as well. Uh, I do agree the movie was, was fantastic. Uh, I, I always have a joke. That I always say whenever I see a movie, well, uh, you know, I expect I, I know Hollywood is going to do this, and and once again with this movie, I was not disappointed because they did exactly what I thought, and that is, you know, we need to do something about the brothers. Let's get them out the picture early and and out of here as quick as possible. So, uh, you know, I, I I know that uh, this particular actor has said that he doesn't want to be this character anymore. So I'm, I'm glad he got his wish and they took him out immediately as soon as the movie started. He so, was never pleased. And because of that, I was like, yay, we don't have to see you no more. <laughs> and not please. Oh, I don't get to do anything. You're in a Marvel movie. You get a Marvel paycheck. Yeah. Why did you sign on to begin with? Wait, is that was that his criticism that he doesn't get to do anything? He didn't get to do much. That was his criticism, and he was very angry, and he wanted out, so he got his out, and I did not weep one single tear. They really should have waited for Black Panther before they signed him, but yeah. Well, that, I guess they said no. Um, I don't know, but uh, overall, though, movie was fantastic. You know, to reiterate what I said yesterday, I mean, I don't want to say too much because you know maybe there may be some people who haven't seen this movie although i don't know if that's accurate because everybody that i've spoken to has seen the movie already but um i i would just say this uh as far as the the people that disappeared at the end um you know marvel has already announced a couple other films that are in development so i didn't understand some of the people that disappeared at the end because i know they'll be back uh they're not uh, not really dead dead uh no, not what you're missing. You're missing the fact that, yeah, they got killed and how their deaths do not think will not have a psychological effect on them come the other movies. Hmm. Okay, that's a good Do not thing. that everyone will not get affected. And you know, so 
poor sprinkles. If anyone who knows who sprinkles is, poor sprinkles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But 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 to to go along with what you just said, when you say it from that point of view, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious to see that. But I will say this: in regards to the sequel, I don't want. Marvel to be safe about who they kill. I they want to see one. Well, say what? They wasn't safe with this one. Uh, I, I, well, I, I, I didn't I, think. What? What? Well, I in regards to the original team that's still intact. I want to see somebody from that team go because that oh, will. Right. Well, say what? Tony gone. The psychological break alone. <laughs> He's on suicide watch. Oh, you, you think so? <laughs> he lost everybody. Uh, I don't want to go. Oh, yeah. That man's psychological. And also, I think that also when they come back, it's other people that they didn't show. So, Pepper, Happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, That's true. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm pretty sure other people perished that they didn't show. You're right about that. Yeah. So, you lost everybody. Yeah. Um... We'll see. Uh, so continue, Gary. Uh, hold hold on for a quick second. Wait, what's up? Oh, he had to he had to step out. But yeah, um, did you have anything else you was gonna say, Dana? No, that? but the movie is incredible and amazing, and just pray for Tony. We we certainly will. But um, what else did you have to discuss during your segment? Oh. Um, basically, CinemaCon was also during this month, and there's a live-action Lion King movie by John Favreau. It's a nice segue to Happy. So, Happy, from the Avengers, um, is directing the Lion King live-action movie, which is going to be very similar to his Jungle Book movie. Uh, Donald Glover is voicing Simba. His Beyonce is Nyla or Nala. Um, there's a lot of other casts in it, and they previewed the opening segment. The whole Ma Sweetnya, that'll be that whole thing. Tears, nothing but tears, and it literally looks. It's shot by shot of the movie The Lion King, but I they use. Obviously, it's computer-generated, but the way how they use the actual animals, it works. I can't explain it. It just works, and it is beautiful. It is one of the most beautiful things that I have seen visually. Um, so that, you know, look forward to that. That should be really good. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I can finally say it's a Sony Animation picture. It is gorgeous. It is so freaking beautiful it looks like a nice glossy sexy comic book where the animation is mixed with hand-drawn animation and computer graphics and it just works and they have the little you know how you have your internal monologue and the internal monologue is in the bubbles the comic book bubbles that they have so that it works on that you get to see Miles Morales and I was just sitting there just crying because it was just a representation that we don't really get. Miles is, you know, the black Puerto Rican. 
and it is written by the same guys who did um, the Lego Batman movie. The um, the Chris Lord and the uh, what's the other guy's name? I completely forgot the other guy's name. It's um, it's by Lord and 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 Chris, Christopher Miller and Philip Lord. And these are like two corny looking white guys. And let me tell you, they got the vernacular of Miles Morales down. They got the whole Brooklyn, that whole thing down. Um, he's a really happy kid. They embedded him in that African-American, Puerto Rican culture. Um, he's from Brooklyn. So they did that really great. He's 13 years old. His dad is a cop. And, you know, he's like right there for his son. Um that is just beautiful what they did with that. And then the whole family dynamic. And I can't say fully of the plot because I don't want to get murdered, but you get to see some of your like favorite stuff and like the way how they did it. I can say that it feels kind of like, um, Spider-Man shattered dimensions. That's what I can say. I like that. So that's, I'm not revealing a plot there. But that um, was beautiful. It was just sexy. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just crying. It is the best looking animated movie I have ever seen. Um, and the voice acting is just really great. I loved everything about it. Um, also, there was... Um, I don't know if anyone cares, but they're doing a Bohemian Rhapsody. Remember um, Freddie Mercury? He was the singer. When I let you go, let me go. Miss me, like him. So he's doing a biopic. It's with... Um, Rami Malek, the guy from uh, Mr. Robot, they did the opening, which is the We Are the Champions and the Bohemian Rhapsody, him performing, and he looks just like Freddie Mercury. It's weird, but it just really works. If you look at, at the guy, he doesn't really look like he would, you know, be it, but it works. So I loved it. That was great. Um, Let's see. Um... Also, I got a little bit of um, um, what else? I think that was that was mainly mainly it from CinemaCon. It was like a lot of remakes that we're getting that no one really like, cares that much about. Um, yeah. So aside from that, it was just it was all right. It was good. I liked it. We got Deadpool is coming up. You guys already know about that. Um, that looks fun. Um, a lot of more jokes, and of course, you get um, uh, um, the guy who played Thanos. I can't remember his name. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, Josh so Brolin? yes, Josh Brolin. Yeah. He's he's much lighter. He's funny. So it's the complete opposite of him as Thanos. Um, so that's you know, if you want to see him again. That's great to see. He's a really great actor. He had a lot of fun doing this, even though that he said he had more fun doing um, Infinity War than doing the whole Deadpool thing. They're also he signed a deal for four more movies, so we're gonna get a lot more of Josh Brolin. He's not going anywhere. Wait, you mean he signed a, a deal in the Deadpool? For Deadpool. Okay. Um, Darkest Minds is also coming up that is going to is based upon a novel and that's basically about superheroes but they're all like teenagers and it looked much better than Runaways and they're literally a group of runaways who are seeking a haven a safe haven and they realize that you know the the 
world of adults have betrayed them and so they have to take back their future. So it's literally like Runaways, but it looks like it's way better than Runaways. And Runaways to me was absolute trash. <laughs> um, the Predator. We're getting another Predator movie. So yeah, if you care about that. Um, um, the the battle of uh, the um, the Alita Battle Angel. We're getting that one. That looked really good. It's James Cameron. He produced it. Robert Rodriguez directed it. Um, you guys know it's based on the graphic novel or the manga series. Um, that looked really great. The animation for that just really beautiful. So we got to see some of that. So that that was that was pretty good. I like that. And then I was able to do the Tomb Raider. I was able to see the panel, the the video game, not the movie. And it does not look very good. But if you're a Tomb Raider fan, then you might like it. But for me and the way how they was hyping it up, you know how you just keep using the same words over and over again, thinking that you, people won't notice that you keep repeating because you don't have anything else to say? That's what they was doing. They kept saying, Tomb Raiding! And more Tomb Raiding! And it's underwater um, tombs! And you get to raid them! Um, this is supposed to be the end of the trilogy, you know, for a whole series. And this is going to be the one where she becomes Laura Croft. And they kept saying that she struggled a lot with her identity, that she wanted to step away from the whole tomb raiding thing. But now this is something that she is going to accept. Um, the mo the video game, sorry, it's supposed to be a lot darker because she ends up crossing the line psychologically between viewing herself as the villain or viewing herself as a hero. And, you know, there's a connection that she has with Jonah. Jonah is basically the moral compass of the story that keeps telling her, you know, let's not do this. You're acting too irrational. Let's think. And he's the one who's more like the investigator of the whole video game. So he wants to make sure he gets all the information and all the pieces before, you know, he gives it to Laura's because she's one of those people who's going to just jump out and do her own thing without fully understanding the consequences of her actions. So it's, you know, described as more like a coming, I don't want to say coming of age, but like her coming into her own and her becoming Laura Croft. Also, they did emphasize that we're not going to get the 1996 Laura that we grew up with. This is going to be a representation of Laura, but it's also going to be her own self, her own identity. So they really stress that of, of the of the, sh the video game. But sorry, the gameplay was a little janky. It looked visually very beautiful, especially when she's underwater. There's a lot of things that happen. It's very open world. So they did have fun. They was explaining with um, just creating different environments for her to go into. And that they do encourage the open world type play. So you could take your time with it. Um, but overall, it just seemed bleh. It didn't really, the story itself really didn't seem that great. Um, the camera angles were really weird. The combat was kind of really boring. And it was just this weird linear thing where like it had this linear path and then it just didn't. It just seemed to be like it, what, it wasn't fully done. It comes out in September, as we know. So you can give them that, you know, like it's okay because it comes out in September. So you're still working on it. But for me, it just didn't wow me. I wasn't really impressed by it. 
and I was just expecting a little bit more. But the visuals, they're really great. I do have to say that. And there are cutscenes where you really get to see um, the, the acting shine through, the voice actress who plays Laura, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Um, I would say that it was one of her best performances. For me, she's not really like that great of an actress. Um, but for this, she 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 seemed like she took some classes. So I'm pleased with that. Overall, yeah. It's just wait and see for me. Well, I I, I, I certainly am going to have something else to say. I'm 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 gonna try to hold it for the when we get to that, that final topic. But but uh from what it sounds like, it sounds like this game, um, it still needs to be polished in other areas, so maybe it shouldn't be coming out in September, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Square Enix, they're trying to get this done and over with, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so is there any other entertainment or uh, stuff you want to tell us about the show before we uh, move on to the next topic? Nope, just, you know, got a lot of movies that were previewed and they're coming out. And if I go through everything, it'll be like 20 hours long. But just pay attention <laughs> to Spider-Man. Really pay attention to Spider-Man. That is something that I strongly recommended. I love that. Um, also, I was able to go to the Tribeca Film Festival. I don't know how I'm alive today. But I also recommend uh, Charlize Theron has a new movie called Tully, where it seems really cute and corny. Like, oh, it's just like a woman who... She's pregnant and she's dealing with this kid and she has postpartum and, you know, wacky little things happen. There is a part in the movie where it really takes a twist and it becomes like a really sad drama. And it's just really good just in general. The acting is just amazing. Um, but other than that, that that's all I have to say. Um, also, as we already know, Avengers, they surpass their whole box office expectations. So yay to everyone who's seen it. Who, those who didn't see it, I don't know why you're waiting. Go see it now. That's it. Sounds good. Yes, yes. So as I said, yeah, you you've had a very very busy month. Month. Uh, month. Hopefully, uh, you will be able to have some vacation time uh, in eh. May. But uh... mm, yeah, <laughs> I doubt that. But oh, and Avengers opened with um 630 million. Whoa! So you know, whoa. a little bit of a record, just a little bit, <laughs> tired bit. Oh, and also screw you to James Cameron, who says that he can't wait for Infinity War to be over because he's tired of superhero fatigue, and then also wanted people to know that he is working on Avatar. Remember, there's four more Avatars that nobody asked for. So yay, oh, fatigue! Uh, I, I do want to say one thing. Well, he might be tired of uh, you know, Avengers fatigue or whatever, but I'm I'm already fatigued by Avatar after one movie, so <laughs> I'm 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 fatigued of his crappy movies. So there you go. And also Attack on Titan, we're getting a season three. So if you like that, yay. That's awesome. Man, that's and a lot, also that's a lot of stuff. get that Hulk figure from, from Infinity War, because it's hilarious. It's really cute. Yeah, that's man. That, that, that's 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 a lot. Of, that's a lot of stuff to cover. So uh, did an excellent job covering that. But man, that's that had to yeah. be a busy, that had to be a busy month. This it's just it's too much stuff at once. Doing this since the end of March. 
Ah. I'm dead inside. <laughs> uh, well, thank you for letting us know about all the all, all, all of that stuff that went down. Um, yeah. So now uh, let's move on to uh, the final two topics to, for, for today. Uh, <laughs> first, first and foremost, the uh, March NPBs have been released. Um, yeah. I'm going to mention the top ten. Because the other the other ten, I don't really think uh, we need to get into that. Let's just get into the top ten for March. So, uh, number ten was Monster Hunter World. I'll give a shout out to Miguel because I, I believe Miguel and Ruthless said that that's uh, their game of the year. Um, mm. I still haven't played Monster Hunter. I know Gary has, or he has been trying to, and has reluctantly been unable to get people to play with him. So I don't Ooh, know. It's, it's what? good. It's it, good. You gotta start playing these games. It's good. Yeah, well, I'm gonna give a shout out to Tony Polanco because he told me he doesn't think I should play it because this is a game he knows the type of stuff I play, and it, this is a game that requires a, a ton of time. You know, I don't have that much time, so I, I don't. I don't know. But I, as I said, I, I will make time for God of War. Definitely gonna make time for Red Dead Redemption. So I, I will consider that. But we'll, we'll see what happens. So yeah, Monster Hunter is a good game. Just real quick, it is a really good game. It's just um, I wish it was easier to connect at the start of the game because uh, that was the complication that I faced with uh, Ramiz. But the overall game itself is good, though. Okay, I got to check it out. So that was number 10. Number 9 was NBA 2K18. Obviously, not surprised about that. The NBA playoffs are going on right now as well. So I could only imagine that uh, that will increase the sales even further. Uh, number eight, Nino Kuni 2, Revenant Kingdom. Uh, number seven, Mario Kart 8. Number six, Call of Duty World War 2. Number five, Grand Theft Auto 5. Still on these, these, this, these charts, which I find interesting. Um, number four, Kirby Star Allies. <laughs> number, yeah, that, that's interesting. That's the number four. Um, <laughs> Number three, MLB 18, the show. Okay. Number two, Sea of Thieves, which is Max Muller's favorite game, as you saw in his review. And number one, Far Cry 5. So I wanted to ask, does any of these uh, games being included on this list surprise uh, either one of you? Give it up for Kirby. (laughs) Yay, Kirby. (laughs) Yeah, Kirby. I'm surprised that Kirby is on this list. Um, that's interesting. I love how Mario Kart just never dies; it's always there. Yeah, it's it's always there. Uh, one game that isn't on this list, and, and I'm glad that that people have finally come to their come to their senses, is WWE 2K18. So finally, yes, I'm Thank happy you. that that's not on the list at all. That means WWE couldn't buy any more copies; they ran out of money. <laughs> Yeah, because you know, I, I would have thought it would have been on the list because WrestleMania, they were ramping up for WrestleMania. Yeah, I would have figured a lot of people would want because I know they. I got an email about a WrestleMania edition, and yet there's nothing in the game that's updated at all. So I didn't understand what the hell there was the point of releasing that version. Um, but whatever. Uh, I'm slightly upset a way out. It's not higher because it came in at 15. So I'm upset about that. Yeah, yeah, that that should have been higher because I know I played that with Adam Vale, uh, you know, last month. Well, no, it was earlier this month actually, um, and I was very, very surprised with that game. Obviously, the ending is a little controversial for some because of the whole time 
I, I don't want to give any spoilers. I, I you just need to play the game. But for a co-op game, I kind of understand why there were some people that didn't like how it ended. But I loved it because I mean, it really literally took the title a way out to another level. So that's that that, that was interesting. But uh, a good game overall. But uh, how about you, Gary? Are you surprised by any of the games that are on this list? Um, I mean, not particularly. I am surprised, and people are going to get on me about this, but, um, you know, Sea of Thieves is number two, and I, I think that what that shows is that, that you know, Xbox does have buying power. Like, you know, the, the, the fan base does, you know, they, they go out and they support the game no matter what it is, you know. Um, there were a lot of uh, mixed receptions about sea of thieves um and you know i heard people say it's not the greatest game it's a very shallow experience but you know nevertheless people still went out and bought the game and supported it and that definitely means something and i think microsoft just needs to uh you know buckle up and 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 just keep putting stuff out for these loyal gamers out there that are supporting the content you know um so i hope that come e3 we're going to see a, a, a ton of releases for these people who, who own the Xbox. And um, I hope that we're going to get a lot of stuff this year, even. We still have Crackdown to come, but I hope that there's a lot of other um, exclusive games that are coming out for the system this year as well. But, um, I, yeah, go ahead. So I, I just I just will make a quick comment uh, as sort of a counter to your uh, what you said. I think the Sea of Thieves being number two on that list what this proves to me is that there's a lot of people that signed up for Game Pass because I highly doubt a lot of people went out and spent $60 for this game. Oh, so does it include the, the Game Pass? Well, it, it, see, that's the thing. It doesn't say it doesn't say that. Uh, it doesn't. It, it's not really as far as the numbers. There's no other concrete information on, on this particular uh, sheet that says where the numbers came from. I, I could only assume physical. I don't know if digital is included because I don't see anything on here that would indicate that. Um, but I will say, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that to say that the game is bad. I still haven't played the game. Uh, I know that it has had mixed criticisms across the board, but I do know that, you know, Xbox is pushing the whole Game Pass initiative. So I'm 100% certain because we know people who did this. You know, Tony had a trial. So a lot of people got this game. You know, if they had a Game Pass trial, probably downloaded the game. They didn't pay full price for it. So that definitely played a factor, I think, in the decision. And, and what I will say is if next month, well, it won't be next month. It'll be in May. If when we get to the May MPDs, you see that State of Decay 2 is high on that list, that is exactly what the, what the situation is. Because State of Decay 2 is another game that it's actually $30. It's not $60. But I am going to, I'm definitely going to buy that game. You know, I think a lot of people are going to buy that because number one, it's it's definitely cheaper than Sea of Thieves, and and for me anyway, personally, it appeals to me, and it, it more so because it is a survival game. It has zombies, so on and so forth. But if you see that game charted higher on that list in May for May MPDs, then you know okay, Game Pass might might have played a role in this. In addition to it also being cheaper, but we'll see. The verdict is still out on that. But with that said, uh, one thing I will add: Far Cry Five. Glad to see Far Cry 5 on the list. I know this is another game that people have had some criticisms about. Uh, I personally, you know, I did review the game on the website. I love the open world in the game. 
all the things that you can do because it's a, a ton of things to do. I can understand there's a lot of issues with the story and people are right to complain about the story. But if you've ever played a Far Cry game, you know what to expect. And for those that complained because the story wasn't, you know, basically talking about a lot of the stuff that's going on in the country today and didn't take a really serious approach to a lot of the stuff going on with the government and stuff. I mean, I as I said on the Throwdown show uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mean, when I sit down to play a game, I'm just sitting down to play a game. If there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the real world that is very disturbing, I want to look at the game as a way to escape and play it. I'm not, I don't want to play a game and then be reminded of all the bullshit that's going on in the real world today. And then, you know, having to contend with that stuff. No, like I said, Far Cry is a fun game. Did Could they have taken things in a much more serious approach? Of course. But it's a Far Cry game. So... I mean, it, for me, it's a Far Cry game. That's That was essentially what it needed to be from the beginning. But again, that's just my opinion. Um, yeah. Are you saying that games should not teach people? Because you're saying that, oh, you use it as an escape. I view games as also giving an opportunity, an open platform to educate people. Oh, oh no, I didn't. Well, I, I, well, I, I didn't say that. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely can be educational. Um, this particular game, though, uh, I I mean, I've played Far Cry games in the past, so I, I kind of already knew what to expect. It was going to be a game where it was just going to be about exploring the world, taking down the bad guys. I wasn't expecting to learn anything meaningful about it because the whole game is you basically are trying to save people from this hostile environment that has been taken over by this cult. So I wasn't expecting to learn anything meaningful about it. I knew it was going to be very repetitive when you save somebody. Hey, thank you for saving me. Or you go up to a random st stranger. Can you do this task for me? I expected all of that stuff to be in the game, but I wasn't expecting it to be like, oh, I'm going to learn something important about what it's like to survive in this type of environment. Now, I wasn't expecting that. I, I know that. But no, games can definitely educate. They should educate. They, they have a lot to say about them. But I mean, in my opinion, I think it depends on the game because every game is not going to do that. Um, that that's just my opinion. When you play a sports game, I mean, objective is to like if it's an NBA 2K or whatever, you know, your objective is to beat the other team. And you can learn some things about basketball in that game. You can learn certain things depending on like here's a better example: Madden NFL 18. When that game came out last year, and the fact they had a story mode in which you had to go through this whole process where you're trying to get drafted. That game, to me, the way they handled the story, that was fantastic because you had to do all these drills. You had to learn a lot of this stuff. So they actually put a lot of effort into that to make you have to learn how to really play football and look at football in a different perspective. Because even if you're a casual fan, you may not necessarily understand everything about football, but they put so much in that game to really teach you about football. And then you can apply that to how you look at football, whether you're playing it or you actually are running your own fantasy team, how certain players play, so on and so forth. So there's definitely some games that can teach you a lot. But with this particular game, I, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, let's just go ahead, let's have fun, ride around plays, shoot down bad guys, and just beat the enemies. I wasn't expecting anything more than that. But there's a lot of people that did expect that because of the narrative and then the way that Ubisoft pushed the messaging and the marketing to say, oh, yeah, this is going to be a very controversial game. So that that that's I understand 
why some people were a little disappointed, but I wasn't expecting anything massive behind this. Um, but again, it's just my opinion. So, any other thoughts before we uh, move on to the next topic? Yeah, um, do you think GTA 5 will continue to sell even after Red Dead comes out? Like, is it still going to be on the chart? Because that would be pretty crazy if they have GTA 5 and Red Dead Redemption 2 on the charts at the same time, month to month. Well, uh, well, here's the thing with that. Uh, they recently released, last week they released a digital deluxe edition premium edition of Grand Theft Auto 5 with all of the other content that they have, you know, because they've been releasing content over the last couple of months for GTA Online. But they released, like, a complete edition again uh, just this past week. Like, they, well, the week before, they did a physical copy. This week, they did a digital version of it. So um, I think it all depends on, you know, essentially if they are going to continue to support it. I have no idea if they're going to continue to supporting GTA Online. Um, I feel like GTA always has an opportunity to be on MPDs because a lot of people still buying the game for some reason. Uh, the online, they're still supporting it. So I think as long as they support the online, it may be on MPD, but it may slightly drop down lower, uh, as more stuff starts to come out. Like, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out. I highly, you know, I, I pretty much expect that to be number one on the list, you know, for October. But there's going to be other stuff on there because we also know that Call of Duty is coming out the same month now. We also know Battlefield, even though they didn't announce a release date, it typically releases in October. That game is is going to be on that list also. So it it may still be in the MPD list, but it may not be at the top of the list. Definitely not. I still expect it to be in the top 20, though. Um, But again, I think that depends on how much content they decide to actually put into this this GTA Online experience. Um, it, I mean, because I again, I don't know what Rockstar's plan is for supporting the game moving forward because they have to put all their resources to Red Dead Redemption Two. So I can't really say for sure uh, that it will still be on the list. But I, I, I'm, I mean, I, I believe it will be on the list at least up until Red Dead comes out. You know, now moving past into like November, December, and then into next year. That would be very interesting to see. I have no idea. Um, But for now, I I still think it will be on this list until there's other games that can knock it off. Uh, One thing I did find interesting about this list, Super Mario Odyssey are still on the list, along with Zelda. And these games came out last year. So that's pretty interesting uh, that that's on the list. Um, But we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, so any other thoughts before we uh, move on to our main topic for today? No, I'm good. All right, so now I can say what I wanted to say about Tomb Raider. (laughs) So as Dana already mentioned, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, you know, she was at an event. She had a chance to see more of the game. Uh, I saw the reveal trailer, uh, and I will also add that... uh, our other editor on staff, Tatiana, she got a chance to go to the preview event in Los Angeles on Thursday night. Um, I, you know, I have seen a lot of what has been said about the game, the controls, you know, the visuals, as was already said, it looks fantastic, but the controls and other stuff 
still is not there. Um, so two things I want to say real quick about this game, and I, I hope that Square Enix is not watching this or Eidos. So I don't want to be disrespectful, but I have to be honest. Um, I think the name Shadow of the Tomb Raider is very much indicative of this game because I feel this game should have stayed in the shadows longer for them to figure figure out whatever needs to be fixed and then put it out there. But the whole thing is... Well, well go ahead. No, I was chuckling. That, that joke was actually funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because the whole thing with me is that Square Enix, I, I recall when they released the last two Tomb Raider games, their whole narrative was... Let's, you know, they were mad because they didn't sell a certain number of copies. So I understand, you know, the whole thing with this particular preview event, I think this was meant to generate a lot of interest. And then the event that you went to also, this was meant to generate a lot of interest to get it out there, let people know what's coming and then have great first impressions. But the majority of the impressions I have seen online is the game still needs some work. I mean, it looks great. That's fantastic, but graphics are not everything. They, they got a lot of other stuff to to figure out with this game. And mm-hmm. the other the other comment that I will make about this game, which is very confusing to me, is that I keep hearing the marketing of this is the origins. This is going to to reveal the the Laura Croft that we all know and love. You know, it's a bit of an origin story. So I would like to ask Idols and Square Enix, what the hell were the last two games about Laura mm-hmm. Croft? Because no, no, no. What they mean, the first game was, you know, it's the beginning, middle, and the end. You saw how she was like, oh, no, I don't want to be a part of the the rating. And even when they showed the um, the manor, remember how it was like, it wasn't the manor that people wanted. It was the decrepit, you know, run-down version of it. And it was her stepping away from her father's shadow. And then in the beginning, it's like, oh, well, maybe... Let me try it this way and what really happens. And with the third one, it's just her finally coming into her own. Through the whole series, it was this level of uncomfortability. Hmm. And now in the last one, it's her finally becoming herself after, as they explained, she loses herself within the game. Yeah. Okay, see, thank you very much for explaining that. And I will say right now that Idols and Square Enix, they need to hire you. To explain what the hell this game is about because I, I i mean just going based off of when i heard the initial marketing for the game at the beginning i was like so it's an origin story okay so what the hell was i playing when i played the last tomb raider game so thank you for explaining that because i didn't understand that it's a trilogy of an origin story yeah the trilogy well, it was shit shit that's a long origin story you know there's a lot lot there's a lot to that um but okay that makes perfect sense when you explain it that way. So, so Gary, uh, as a Tomb Raider fan, what were your thoughts when you saw the reveal trailer? Is this a day one purchase, or did you, or you feel like you know what? I will probably wait and get this when it's a little bit cheaper. Whoa, Tomb Raider fan? I'm not. I'm not sure. About that, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, the the trailer looked good. Um, I I still haven't got around to playing Rise of the Tomb Raider yet. So I, I'm not sure what happens at the end and what her character development is in that. And, um, you know, I'm not sure what leads into um, the shadow of the Tomb Raider. But it does look interesting and it left me curious on what those people with, with the masks were. Like, who who are these people? Um, and why is she, you know, chasing them down? And who is that guy that she rescued, you know? 
Um, so it raised a lot of questions for me. And I'm not sure if maybe I need to play Rise of the Tomb Raider to understand uh, the context a little bit more. But um, from just simply from aesthetics, it looks like a really good game. Um, and, you know, someday I'll probably play it, but I'm probably not going to rush to get it day one. But um, it, it looks intriguing for me uh, personally. But I, what I wanted to know is, so if this is supposed to set up the Lara Croft that we all know um, and, you know, love and respect and everything, does that mean that after this game, they're going to transition straight into the Lara Croft that we know and give us like a new up-to-date version of that Lara Croft? Or is this just it? Is this, is this the final one that they're going to be doing? That's a good question. Um, Dana might be able to answer that question, but before she gives her thoughts, I, I will just say this. Uh, I honestly think that it, it all depends how this game does sales-wise. If it doesn't hit the target that they want to hit, then Square Enix may say, you know what, we're going to take a break from this series because look at how they treated Deus Ex. When the last Deus Ex game came out, uh, it didn't sell well. So, and that led to them saying, okay, we're going to take a break. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to cancel the series. It's just going to take a break and focus on other things because we have to remember Square Enix, they're also working on this Marvel game as well. And I don't know if it's Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy, or whatever, but they're working on that project in addition to this other stuff. So, um, but I mean, but in terms of this game in particular, I think it's all depending upon if it sells well, if it is received well by critics, then yeah, we'll make another one. But at this point, I, I mean, I, that would be my guess. They may, they may say, well, it's not about the sales. We want to continue doing stories. But I think from a business standpoint, if them investors are like, this game didn't sell well, okay, we're going to take a break from this series and let's just focus on our other upcoming projects. Hi. Hello. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, go, go ahead, Dana. Factuals and factuals. Um, this is just to wrap up the origin story. They have already planned the next installment. Well, so there you go. That's there your answer, go. Gary. It was very, like, okay, they well. really emphasized. This is just to wrap up the trilogy. We're getting more. Okay, well, the ignorant guy in me just wants to say, forget these origins. I'm going to wait for that. So that's that's what I kind of want to say, but um, yeah, we'll see. I, I might still play Rise of the Tomb Raider. We'll see. It's a it's a, you asked if it was like a day one purchase. I would say it's a Black Friday purchase. Well, that's uh, wow. that's positive. Wow, I didn't say don't get it. I said Black Friday, so. It's a win-win for all. They get your money and you don't spend that much money. That's true. That's absolutely true. We'll see how that pans out because there may be a couple of other games that uh, will be Black Friday purchases. And if it's too many of those games, somebody is going to get left behind until next year. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't have anything else to really say about the game. You know, obviously, I'm looking forward to it. I did play Rise of the Tomb Raider. I think that game was far better than the first game. Uh, so I, I do have some positive thoughts about the game. I know in the beginning when I played the first game, I was like, oh, well, look, it's Uncharted starring Laura Croft. And I felt very much felt the same way when I played the last game. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, obviously it, it still w made a great game overall. So I do have positive thoughts that the game is going to still be good. 
despite the fact that uh, it may not be of the quality it needs to be in other areas. Uh, obviously, graphically, yeah, it looks fantastic. Um, but you I mean we'll, we'll see how everything else pans out. But uh, in regards to the origin story stuff, uh, you know, yeah, that's a long origin story. I'll be glad when the story is over. You know, and I'm very curious to see what they do with the series after this, because there's other stories that you can tell with this particular character. Um, so we'll see about that. Uh, another question I had was like. Do, do you think they kind of plan to um, piggy bank off of the back of the uh, the movie and stuff, like, and lead right into the build up for this game? Like, was the movie part of their marketing and their part of their strategy for this game? Dana, you have any thoughts? I have some thoughts, but I'm gonna let you go first. I was muted. On the marketing, was there any plans for marketing and strategy? Well, the question was like, did, uh, was they factoring in the movie as part of their marketing for, for the build up of this game? No, no, not at all. The, the movie factors in the game. No, they um, wanted to emphasize that it's their own separate thing. They're not looking at any, you know, movies or any type of structure. They're going with what, what they want to do independently. And then the movie... The movie, they work hand in hand, meaning that the movie, you know, will get information from the game. So whatever the game decides to do, it'll follow the movie or I mean, the movie will follow. the game. Hmm. But do you think like because there is a movie now and I'm not actually sure on the numbers of the movie and how much, how well it did. But do you think that that might lead to more people getting into the games now? Because um, they, they haven't been happy with the numbers of the previous games. Mm -hmm. do, you yeah. think, do you think so that... For those who liked the movie, then I can, I can see that happening. But overall, the movie was not received very well. So, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh all right, so one thing I want to say on that, you know, um, I li listen. What you say, Gary, is a good question because I firmly believe that it is not a mistake that that movie comes out the same year the game comes out. Obviously, you want to get attention on the franchise, even if the movie was bad. And yeah, the movie was bad because I also saw it and I actually fell asleep on that movie when I was watching it in the theater. So. It was just so poor. It was lazily done. That would also made it so bad. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so it also goes in the fact of, remember, they get the information last because it's the, it's the movie following the game. So because they get the information last, they have to throw together a movie That's instead true. of in conjunction with each other. See, if you ever watch, um, for example, remember the Lego movies, Lego Batman, Lego Ninjago, those mm -hmm. type of things? They work, the movie department, the production, and the video game production work side by side as a unit. Which is why you will see how it, you know, it mimics each other and how, you you know, they both end up shining. If one sucks, the other one's going to suck. But what happens with Tomb Raider is they're separate and then the, the video game department feeds whatever information it wants them to into the movie. And that's why we get this disjointed 
crappage that's just thrown together. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, I mean, I, I uh, we'll see how the game turns out. I don't necessarily have any any high expectations. I think I think it'll be I think it'll be good at best, and and we just leave it at that. But uh, they definitely still need to they still need 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 to work on the game. So hopefully everything will get polished up in the areas that needs to be polished up, and we have a great game when it comes out uh, in September. Now, with that said, there's another game coming out in September that I think I am more interested in, and that's Spider-Man. So we'll see how they fare in regards to sales, uh, because a lot of people are going to want that game uh, in addition to whatever else gets announced, because there's other stuff that will get announced at E3 that is coming out in September also. So it's it's so pretty. It really is. And just to harpen back really quickly, I know that I'm like going all over the place. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but, no, no, you're fine. Like, E3 stuff. I was able to play uh, Lego Incredibles 2. Yeah. Um, which reminded me very much of Disney Infinity. So if you're like any fan of Disney Infinity, remember they canceled it. When they canceled it, I died. I died inside. I like I didn't see a purpose of living anymore. The sky was gray. Um, but if you love that aspect, you're going to get it in The Incredibles 2. The movie is janky, but the game is good. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I, I mean, I, I saw the trailer for that uh, when I went to see Infinity War, and I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to see Incredibles too. But the trailer was great. So um, the game, I, I hope it's good too. So I'll definitely check it, it out. You know, it's enjoyable. It's you know, it's, it's for me, it was very enjoyable, and it was just really fun. And the person who worked um, with with along with the game also was a part of Disney Infinity. So yeah. again, if you really like the Disney Infinity, you're gonna like the Lego game. That's good. To, that's good to know. Got to check that out. Yeah, that's cool. All right. So, any final thoughts on uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Gary or Dana? Crap. No, just work on. Like, it's really great. They have this really great story, and they explain, like, the consequences that she does, and she's dealing with, you know, the end of the world and how she caused it. But that's wonderful, but it means literally nothing if the controllers and the cameras are awful. I can't play a game that you claim to be so cinematically amazing if it's poopy pants. I agree. How about you, Gary? Um, Hopefully they sort all that out by the time it comes out. I do want to say, though, like with Rise of the Tomb Raider, what really doomed that game is the fact that it came out around some big blockbusters, including Fallout 4 and um, yeah. other games like that. And, um, and wait, I, not, so, not to mention that whole deal with Microsoft with the releasing first or Xbox. Yeah. And, and Yep. So all of that in Microsoft, and from what I saw, there was no promotional stuff whatsoever when that game came out because Fallout came out the same exact day as that game. So not good. But continue. I don't want to interrupt you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But um, yeah, so I, I, I don't want to see them repeat that mistake. But it seems like you know from september onwards it is going to be a pretty stacked year in terms of big releases and you know spider-man is around that time as well Mm -hmm. um so i I think they really should have um tried to get it out earlier like perhaps in august because 
you know, those months where there's not much coming out, that's when everyone's really going to gravitate towards this game. And it will probably like, you know, uh, it will probably rise above their expectations and they'll probably be hooked to it and everything. But uh, the fact that they're still releasing around other big releases, that might hurt it a little bit. But um, yeah. we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, because... Oh no, oh no, go, go ahead. What'd you say? I was just gonna say that they don't seem to have they don't seem like each department doesn't really seem to be communicating with each other that great. So even if you can do this whole scheduling thing, I don't understand why you're releasing it a week before Spider Man. Yeah. That that's like, yeah. It's silly. Like I can understand you not wanting to do October because that's black op black ops four and red dead redemption two. So then why not do it in November? Unless I'm missing something. Well, yeah, because yeah, because right now there, there isn't anything that has been announced for November. So, yeah, that's, that's what you. What, and plus, by the way, how I'm looking, if by visually seeing the game, it needs more work. So for me, November would have just been perfect. Like it's just really stupid to release a game that people are, you know, for a year we've been expecting Spider Man, and then we're gonna get it, and the, what we've seen is just amazing. So yeah, let's go seven days after that. Cause that's smart. <laughs> that's genius. Cause we haven't had games that failed in the past before. So, yay them. Yeah, I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, I don't know what they're thinking, but uh, hopefully for them it does well. And if they decide at the last minute at E three or whatever, you know, we have decided that uh, Tomb Raider is not quite up to the standard that it needs to be. So we are going to push this game back a couple of months. Well, yeah, then that'll be good for them. But. That's uh, right. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, it's something that people are expecting, and they're going to get angry because you pushed it back. I don't recall anyone saying, "Oh my God, I can't wait for that new Tomb Raider game to come out." <laughs> yeah, well, Gary, what Gary said, Gary just said, "Yeah, he can't. He can't wait to pick it up on day one." I need more Tomb Raider. That's what I need in my life is Tomb Raider. No, no one has said that. So push it back. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't say that. And that accent was cool. That was good. I liked that. Thank yeah. you. That's that's crazy. So we'll see what happened. We wish them well. Looking forward to hearing more about the game. But uh, I believe that concludes our uh, show for today. So um, definitely thank you all for checking out this week's show. Um, we do have a couple of other very good things coming to the website very soon. A lot of interviews, a lot of great content as a whole coming to the site. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Dana, is there any shout outs that you want to give? Shout out to Black Jesus for keeping me alive this whole month because I'm, I'm dead right now. But um, also the, the viewers, the listeners, the gamers, the movie lovers, all you wonderful people. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I will give a shout out to all the people that continue to support the site, whether it's uh, watching the show live or listening on the download. We appreciate your continued support and we will continue to bring you great content. Just uh, feel free to let us know your thoughts on uh, everything. That, you know, If there's anything you want us to discuss in the future, definitely let us know and we'll do the best we can to make sure we talk about it. Uh, and uh, Gary, the floor is now yours for the uh the uh shout outs so on and so forth yep so of course we're going to shout out all of the patreon supporters because we appreciate them lots and lots and lots so big shout outs to m collins sean gority stephen Ferron, mauricio aguilar him dill 
Fergus Mills, Miguel, and the newest supporter, Antonio Rogers. So thanks to all those Patreon supporters and a big shout to everyone who joined us in the chat today and everyone who interacted with us live. Um, I see Ruthless Randoms in there, uh, Kendall Berryman, uh, Miguel was in there earlier, and a few other people were in there. Um, so big shouts to all you guys and thanks for, you know, watching the show live with us and everything like that. And shouts to um, all of the coalition staff and the throwdown team and everything. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it from me. Sounds good. Yes. So thank you all for your continued support. And we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>